since it opened in 1955, Disneyland has been known as the happiest place on earth. Why? According to one travel agent, quote, anyone who steps into Disney World forgets all their worries for a while. The characters, rides, parades, fireworks, and food create a magical feeling among visitors of all ages. Children have the time of their lives, enjoying thrilling rides, while adults feel like children again. Most people who have been to Disneyland have enjoyed the experience, but is that the only place happiness has a home? Is there a place closer to home, with a much lower entrance fee, where you and I can experience genuine joy? Join Nathan and Kristen Norman, along with Kent Edwards, as they reveal where you can go, regardless of your income level, to experience genuine joy. Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life, into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Today, Dr. Kent Edwards, Kristen Norman, and Nathan Norman continue the discussion through the Psalms. If you have a Bible handy, turn to Psalm 122 as we join their discussion. Hey, Nathan, where's Vicki today? Oh, she had a last minute thing that she had to go to. And so we decided to invite my wife, Kristen, to come and join us on this podcast and next week's podcast. Hey, welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I'm glad I can be here today. Well, it's always dangerous when two guys get together. So we need some uh, some balance in what we're doing here. So thank you for bringing the female balance. You're welcome. <laughs> Nathan, have you ever been to Disneyland? I have. Uh, my parents took me, I think, when I was probably about eight years old or so. Uh-huh. And did you enjoy it? As a kid, yes. I remember enjoying it. I got uh, I got autographs from all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles along with April O'Neil. And uh, that's about all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and see, it's funny. I had a different experience. My dad had taken me probably about the same age, maybe a little bit older. But my dad would stop at every single sign and read it. And so every historical sign, everything, and he would read it to me very excitedly, like I should also be excited. So I just remember being hot walking around as he read every single sign. And we spent most of our time like in Epcot area, which as a child, you know, is the least exciting of the parks. So I want to go back so I can see it in a new light. Well, I live closer to the original Disneyland, not those knockoffs. And uh, um, I had opportunity to take my folks in their latter years there. And it was interesting because they didn't really want to go. They had no real interest until they got there. Oh, wow. And then they just loved all the characters and look around. They didn't do rides or anything. They were past that stage. But but it was exciting. And yeah, I think it was a happy place. Uh, It was a good day. I hear a similar note of excitement. When I read Psalm 122, as uh, you may have noticed, Nathan, this is another Psalm of Ascent, a song sung by Jewish pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. In fact, it's interesting that people all over Israel travel to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate one of the three important feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. As we saw last week in Psalm 121, It was a journey to Jerusalem that was often physically challenging and dangerous. But in Psalm 122, the journey is over. The pilgrims have arrived. And you can hear the excitement in the voice of the pilgrim in verses 1 and 2. 
I rejoiced with those who said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Yeah. The word translated in English as I rejoice literally means to feel joy and to express it. So it's not like they just had smiles on their face, but um, picture these guys dancing in the gates. Mm. In fact, the word is used in Deuteronomy 16, when Moses tells Israel to rejoice before the Lord, celebrate the festival of tabernacles, be joyful in your festival, for the Lord your God will bless you, and how does it end? Your joy will be complete. There's a lot of joy in that phrase. <laughs> oh, absolutely. These are not kids being dragged to Sunday school against their will. These are people who can't wait to get to Jerusalem and, uh, and celebrate. And it's a happy day because they said in verse 2, our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. They've arrived and they think it's going to be fantastic because it's, it says in verse 3. It says, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. <laughs> so think crowds, like Disneyland in July crowds. When Israel showed up for these festivals in this small city, they're jammed shoulder to shoulder. Not only is it crowded, but in verse 4, it tells us something else. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Hmm. So all the tribes are represented, all 12 of them. All these people are part of the extended covenant family, but they're very different from each other, right? I mean, every tribe has its own nuance, its own history, um, its own culture, if you will. So this is, this is an enormous family reunion where people come from all over the nation of Israel to meet second and third cousins they've never seen before. <laughs> And they're all in Jerusalem for the same reason. Why is that? To see Mickey Mouse. No. <laughs> no, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. Yeah, what does that mean when it says praise the name of the Lord? Praise who the Lord is. And the Lord in the Old Testament is often in our English translations, we put the Lord all in capital letters. And that is a stand-in for the Tetragrammaton, the the personal name of God, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Right. Which in my opinion, I think should be translated Yahweh in modern translations, but I'm, I'm not a Bible translator, so I digress. But, <laughs> but that name, that is the personal name of God. They are coming to be in personal relationship to the God who is yeah. These are tribes of the Lord. And Jerusalem is where they came to meet him, not simply one another. They've gathered together for worship. For all the differences that may exist between the 12 tribes, the one thing they have in common, the one thing that binds them together as a nation, is they are all followers of the Lord. While pagan religions used worship to get what they wanted from their gods, Israel gathered for a whole, wholly different reason. They gathered to worship because of what God had given them. They come together as the people of God to celebrate the grace of God. And while they're together, they benefit from, what does it say in verse 5? The thrones for judgment. That's kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? They come together for judgment. They come together for the law of the Lord. 
I'm going to put that on the sign out in front of the church. <laughs> Come this Sunday for the thrones of judgment. <laughs> we won't have room, standing room only. <laughs> but yeah, we think of the law often as negative, but it was not given to be negative, right? It was given to be positive. Yeah. This is how sinful people can learn to live in the, in the presence of a holy God. We need to know how to live appropriately in a, in a world, in a universe controlled by the God of the scriptures. So this is the place where the law of God was read and explained. It's what we would call biblical preaching, so that the people could love justly in accordance with his teaching. So this is all very fine, but Nathan, Psalm 1, uh, 22 was written a long time ago to the ancient nation of Israel. Does it mean we are to do the same thing? Are we to make pilgrimage to the Holy Land um, and stand in Jerusalem's gates with rejoicing? Is that is that the point of this? That'd be fantastic if you could, but <laughs> it, educational for everything I understand. Actually, last week, Vicky was talking about going there, but... Uh, but no, no, because now uh, God is with his people. Jesus is with his people where two or more are gathered together. It's the local church. That's what believers need to do now is they need to gather with fellow believers, whether it's a house church, whether it's a, a large church with, with hundreds or maybe thousands of people or, mm -hmm. or a small church uh, under 100 people. That's where people need to gather and, and worship God together through the singing of songs, through the fellowship of the believers, through the preaching of the word. Yeah. So as Israel came regularly, to worship God together with other fellow believers, fellow Jewish people. They came to worship the Lord on a regular basis to Jerusalem. So where to go to attend our local church regularly? Is that what you're telling me? That Yeah, every every week. So where to imitate their behavior in the terms of the, the local church context. Mm -hmm. But we have cars now and it's safer <laughs> to make our pilgrimage. <laughs> we don't have to go up through the dangerous mountain passes. And you have choices of where you can go. Yeah. Ah, that's true. So why is it so important? I mean, I can watch uh, church on television. I mean, many of us did that during COVID, right? Are you telling me that, uh, that uh, it's important to physically go to church? I think about verse three, Jerusalem is built like a city that's closely compacted together, mm -hmm. right? This idea that they were all together they were near each other, they could feel each other's presence. And there's something about that electricity when you're in a group of people who are all excited about the same thing, when you all have the same values, or when you're all there for the same purpose, there's an excitement that builds, that builds you up in a in a real way. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, there's no question <laughs> to keep talking about Disneyland when you're there in the crowds, and you see all the excitement of all the people you get caught up in that, right? It's contagious. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, same thing with a, a any kind of sports game, right? If you go to see your favorite team in the arena, and if you're with your fellow teammates, oh my goodness, the the enthusiasm, the power, the energy is incredible. How much more so with the God of the universe who created all things? So I don't think we're saying it's wrong to watch video of church, uh, are we? No, absolutely not. I, my church broadcasts it and. That's for a variety of reasons. One is so people can check out our church beforehand. They can try before right. they buy. <laughs> and, uh, another is if you're sick, you can uh, participate that way. If you're working in children's ministry, you're able to uh, see what's going on after the fact. If you're traveling, you're able to uh, to participate. It, it's there, but it's not that everyone says it's not the same thing. 
Right. Well, you're receiving the teaching, but you're not gaining the fellowship, right? And the fellowship is that equally important component of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be kind of like watching the video of a concert rather than being in the concert. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, we it, watched we watched uh, Hamilton on, on Disney Plus, right? Okay. And, you know, that was huge. And, and we're watching it. And it was, you know, kind of cool to watch. But, you know, it's nothing compared to seeing it in person on Broadway. It's absolutely nothing compared to the experience. Ah. Yeah, it's not certainly not wrong to watch church on in video, but people who say it's just as good, I like to point out that they must have a bad marriage. <laughs> <laughs> because I travel overseas with the crosstalk all the time, and I talk to my wife Nola regularly on video. We try to do it as often as we can. But if I have the option to speaking to, to Nola on video or my wife in person, guess which wins? In person is always better. Oh, yeah. It's just always better. I remember the first time I was in Vietnam with Crosstalk, we we set up video chat so I could talk with the kids and they were little at the time. Uh-huh. And and it was the worst. It was the absolute worst. We didn't do it again because we're doing this video chat and they couldn't understand. My one kid, my daughter, is trying to climb through the screen and <laughs> and get to me and she's, she can't. So she's crying, Daddy, I want you here. And it was just so heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I want you to sit me. I, I want to sit in your lap, Dad. Uh, yeah. Not compared to being on a Zoom call. Now, so we, like the ancient pilgrims, make a priority of gathering together with God's people for fellowship reasons. It's where we can use our spiritual gifts to encourage one another, strengthen our community, where others can minister to us, right? We can have conversations with, with one another in ways that uh, can touch their soul and bring health and hope and healing to them. Um, and frankly, it's a place where in the midst of our sinful culture, we can truly feel at home. Mm. Amen. We have the same values. We have the, the same passion, the same objectives in life. And you can't experience that anywhere else but in a local church. So we go for fellowship reasons. They went for those reasons, but they went for biblical teaching. Why is biblical teaching so important? There's just so many reasons. I mean, it's truth. It is absolute truth. And we have to get this right. It is how we learn how to have a positive love relationship with the God of the universe. Uh, God speaks through his word. And when his word is proclaimed, God is speaking uh, through the preacher himself. You know, oftentimes people say, oh, I don't hear, you know, I wish God would talk to me. I wish God would talk to me. And I I will frequently say, go to your local Bible teaching church. You hear the word of God audibly spoken out loud. And if they are being true to the text, God is speaking through the text. You can hear God's voice. I, so many times, preachers all the time say, someone comes up to me and says, wow, I feel like you were talking directly to me. And you know what the truth is? I wasn't. Right. But God was. Well, and well, we're flooded so often. Every time we turn on our phones, every time we turn on the TV, every time we hear the news, we're flooded with messages and we're flooded with teaching and it's coming in from all angles, you know, from everything from just a short meme, you know, to a TV show. And so to have solid biblical teaching based on truth every week to, to balance that out and to remind you of that truth is really important. Yeah. 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 And frankly, biblical teaching, not only is it important to know how to live um, in response to God and his holiness, but it's critical for worship. 
Because what is worship? It's a response to the character of God as we see it revealed in, in his word. In Acts 17, Paul refers to an altar of the, to the unknown God. But it's impossible to worship an unknown God. What do we worship him for? Uh, <laughs> Thanks for being you. Um, it's like that and, Seinfeld episode where he couldn't remember his girlfriend's name. Hey, you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a reciprocal relationship. Um, we go for fellowship and worship of God, uh, but we also go for teaching. And teaching creates, it enhances the fellowship and it enhances the worship. In fact, that's what's said in verses four and five, right? We see that relationship very clearly. It says, that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Hmm. And Nathan, isn't that how um, we organize our worship services? It is. It is. We praise him. Uh, we teach about him. We fellowship with each other, mm -hmm. and people have opportunity to respond to his word. The psalmist is giving us the opportunity to come together with God's people for fellowship and worship and the word. What implication does that have for pastors who are listening? I think that's why A.W. Tozer said, a local church will only be as great as its conception of God. Mm. In other words... My job as a pastor is not just to be a shepherd, but the word pastor in the New Testament is always linked with teaching. There's no such thing as a pastor, only a pastor teacher. So the vitality of a local church is largely determined by the effectiveness with which we communicate to our people the knowledge of and passion for our God. Um, that's what invigorates the church. That's what uh, uh, causes people to grow and uh, facilitates fellowship, and encourages heartfelt worship, and makes it a place where people can't wait to come through the gates of our church and dance for joy with God's people. Mm. That's that's a really good point. And, you know, to get a little, I guess, controversial, I know uh -oh. there's been a large, there's been a large movement. And I've talked with pastors who are objectively very mediocre preachers and one of their strategies is to bring in a very, very dynamic worship music team. Right. And, and they'll draw people into the congregation. And then when you, you kind of talk with the congregation, they'll say, oh, it's the music. It's the music. We're here for the music. And then the messages are like, eh, you know, kind of, you know, mediocre. But they're here for, uh, for the music because they have a dyna dynamic worship team. And I... I it's it's not wrong to have a dynamic worship team. Sure. Uh, you need to have a dynamic worship team. Uh, worshiping God through music, as we talked a few weeks ago, is is pivotal for the worship experience for the believer. Uh, but to try and supplant the importance of proclaiming the word of God, and as we view it at Crosstalk, seeing that, uh, as uh, some of uh, Martin Luther's companions said, <laughs> the preaching of the word of God is the word of God, as mm -hmm. you know, that's that is um it's irresponsible that's that's professional malpractice uh we we need to have people experience the word through the preaching and that means sacrifice throughout the week that means regular prayer that means working hard and that means if you don't have the skills uh to go and find the ability uh to go and find the place where you can get those skills 
Uh, which is kind of the whole point of Crosstalk Global, right? Yeah. To equip pastors around the world how to effectively communicate God's word so that the local churches can thrive. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've got to feed the flock in order for the flock to mature. And that's mm. just that's just reality. Oh, um, that's that's okay. That's something else. And I heard seminary professors say this too. I'm gonna <laughs> so controversial here, but but I would hear I would hear in churches uh, often uh, people would leave and they would say, um, "I need to go somewhere where I can be fed." And I need to go somewhere where I can be fed. And I'd hear that over and over in a variety of different churches throughout my, my ministry right. years. And, and then I would hear, uh, seminary professors, uh, in the midst of some of this kind of justify that. They're like, well, you're old enough. Feed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from multiple individuals and I'm, I'm here just shocked. And, and of course, you know, we all personally have a responsibility to have a, a, a personal relationship with God of course. in our own time. But, but to, to take the onus off the preacher and to say, well, just go feed yourself. Uh, no, no. Uh, the preacher should be proclaiming the word of God in such a way that whether you're a young or old believer, uh, it is impactful. It is alive. It is convicting. It is encouraging. It is transformative. And um, to add to what you've just said, uh, pastors who are listening, never be content with how you preach. Paul said to Timothy, fan into flame. And elsewhere, he said to Timothy that people need to see progress in your preaching. No one has mastered the art of preaching. It is always a challenge. Um, we've never arrived. But to continue to have that hunger to be a more effective pastor teacher for our church so that the church and its people and our communities can thrive, yeah, that needs to drive us. It needs to drive us. And if it's not there, then we need to do an analysis of our soul. Mm. It's kind of um, like art, right? Art is never completed, only abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday, as you have said multiple Good times, work. Kent, Sunday comes every three days. Yep. And uh, and I, I don't think I've ever been fully satisfied with a sermon. No. that I preach. It's it's like, okay, that was good. And here's where it was not as good. <laughs> yeah. Not that there haven't been times when we both have said, yes, that was effective. Oh, God yeah. used that. Absolutely. Was it perfect? Yeah. Art is a good analogy. <laughs> but moving on for pastors, what does this mean for people? That we are to gather together for worship and teaching and fellowship with God's people, um, come rejoicing, um, not live solo Christian lives. I think of a quote by Rick Warren, that uh, well-known pastor, when he said, many believe that one can be a good Christian without joining or even attending a local church, but God would strongly disagree. <laughs> now, for people, find a church, go to a church, and frankly, my recommendation, go to a local church. Driving a long way to attend a church makes it difficult to have fellowship outside of the, the services themselves. Um, and hospitality is a big part of the Christian life in the New Testament. I'd recommend uh, going to a local church. If a good one is close to you, then certainly be a part of it. Hmm. What does it mean to be an active part of a local church beyond attending? Well, verses 6 and 7 tells us a little bit. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Yeah. 
The word peace of Jerusalem that's mentioned a few times there is the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace, prosperity. It means flourishing. The psalmist is saying, look, this is such a great experience. You need to pray that this body of Christ, this local church flourishes in every way. Pray for that church. In addition to praying, uh, he says in verses 8 and 9, For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your prosperity. Hmm. So not only do we pray for the thriving of our local church, but we also seek their thriving, seek their advancement. In other words, we do everything possible to help this church become all that God wants it to be, because that's a benefit to me, to my family. It's a benefit, frankly, to our community and to the world. We receive so much from the local church, and that's why we give to it. What does it mean to seek the prosperity of our local church? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, giving of your time and energy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've just started in this church here in the last six, seven months or so. Right. Um, you know, they had a pastor leave, a worship leader leave, the youth group leader leave. And so people have had to really fill in and take in a lot of roles, mm -hmm. um, you know, and those finding nursery workers. Um, we've had people step up and fill in that nursery and we have children's ministry leaders, but it's growing and we need more. That's great. And it's, you know, it's hard to find people who are like, I'm going to sit out on the teaching. I'm going to sit out on hearing the message this morning. I'm going to sit out of adult fellowship and work with the kids. That's really tough. Um, mm -hmm. It's a sacrifice that we're asking them for and we need it. Without that sacrifice, we can't grow. Um, but it's hard. Right. Even in ancient Israel, someone had to look after the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Otherwise, there would be no nation of Israel anymore. <laughs> and I think financially, right? Of Give course. financially to the church. The church needs uh, finances to be able to function in this society for a variety of reasons. And uh, giving financially is incredibly helpful to seek the prosperity of the church. Yeah. You know, we may never get to Disneyland but God has given his people a happy place. We have a local church where every week we can enjoy a great time of worship and word with fellow believers. And while there is no admission price like the old psalmist, we should pray for it to prosper and for our family and friends sake, do whatever we can to move our church forward so others can enjoy our happy place as well. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. The local church is where God is working today. I trust that today's discussion of God's word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. You can also support this show by sharing it on social media and telling your friends. Tune in next Friday as we continue our discussion through the Psalms. Be sure to join us. Okay, why is this the intro? Chris and I have been arguing about bringing the kids to Disneyland <laughs> 
for several years now. <laughs> Look, Kristen emailed me, and I just did some product placement just to help her side. <laughs> oh, join Nathan Norman. Nathan and Kristen Norman along with.